No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's Midsummer. Welcome to the Center Cut. I am Michael. And I am Dave. Oh, I'm so excited. This is our 36th episode of season two, but there's going to be 37 everywhere. I would be lying if I said I wasn't delightfully pleased and thrilled to introduce our guest today. When I asked him to be part of the action covering the major motion picture, Midsummer, I hoped he would just say yes. Let me rewind. Chris Fafalios, it's so nice to meet you. Wow, that was amazing. <laughs> Did you drop every Punchline album in there? Every album impressive. and even the two major EPs. I you know, don't give him don't give him the pleasure of that. <laughs> that was pretty good. I got to give you credit, man. That was great. <laughs> I stayed up late last night crafting that, <laughs> and then slowly jerking off. And then yes, I, I slowly jerked off after I after I crafted it. No, Chris. Among many things, is a member of the band Punchline, one of my favorite bands for over 20 years now. He's also in another Cheetah and Pack, who just dropped an EP. You should definitely go check that out. Maybe more importantly for this scene, he's host of the One Hit Thunder podcast, which I am not kidding, is incredible. He is also the producer for the Chris Demakes a podcast and even has an enamel pin shop and a company that helps people with their own podcast. Chris, how the hell do you have time for all of that and to rewatch The Sopranos right now? Well, first of all, thank you for all the kind words. I don't know, man. I just do stuff until from the time I wake up till the time I go to bed. I just do stuff. Unless I have something really fun planned that day, then I give myself a break. Otherwise, I just all these things are different forms of work that I enjoy. They kind of all add up into a career that I've invented for myself, which is just like a jack of all trades, which is a very common thing, I think, in this day and age to be in a way, right? You kind of got to be everything, I think. So I, I try to do that the best I can. Definitely. No. And and it's all awesome. We're going to link everything in the show notes, but do yourselves a favor and at least check out one of those things that I just mentioned, <laughs> if not all, because they are all incredible. Well, yes, do, do all. Do all. I, I actually, Chris, to, to be honest, I had not heard of Punchline and I'm mad that I hadn't. I'm also considering it a friend crime that Michael didn't make me aware <laughs> of your band earlier because I love it and it fits like right in with with everything I like. I don't know how I didn't hear about it. And One Hit Thunder is, is just fantastic. Well, I appreciate it, man. It's cool. Hey, man, whether you've known us for decades or you found out about us now, I just appreciate the fact that you took the time. Yeah, got a new fan. Music, podcast, whatever. I seriously appreciate that. It means a lot. Excellent. Now, Chris, I respect you so much as a man, but who hurt you? Why Midsummer? <laughs> what What is this? Why, why this movie? I am going to tell you this right now. There's only been a few movies in my life that I've gone to the movie theaters twice while it was in the theater to see. And this is one of them. I love this movie. I'm so excited to do this episode with you guys. And I can't imagine what you guys must be thinking. <laughs> I can't even 
fathom seeing this in a theater. <laughs> <laughs> twice. What about twice? Yeah, yeah, twice is unreal, but I can't even, even just once. Well, uh, let, let me ask you a question. Did you guys, did either of you guys see Hereditary? No. No. Nope. Okay, that's a great one too. Same director. We're not really horror people. I'm not either. No. Okay. This is the exception to the rule, but I, I want to like horror movies a lot, but I just think that most of them suck so bad. <laughs> and it's just those rare exceptions, The Exorcist or, you know, the original Halloween that I'm like, okay, these are awesome. These two, both from the director, Ari Aster, who is amazing, are just a different type of horror. I, I can't even explain it. It just makes you feel so strange when you watch them. So that I uh, agree with. I'm a fan. I a definitely fan. Yeah. agree with feeling strange. Because, like, every aesthetic in this movie doesn't speak horror at all. Like, it just doesn't, like, it's bright and, like, shining. Right. And it's just, like, col bright colors. It's just, like, what is going on? That's something I noticed right off the bat is, like, it's not very often you see a horror movie, yeah, where it's, like, sun is shining. <laughs> and I'm sure you guys will get into this, but this takes place in Sweden where it's a time of year where there's no... There is no nighttime. There's only like half an hour of dark. It's light all the time. So I thought that was a very unique thing about this too. Crazy. Definitely. Now, Dave, before we get deeper into it, what exactly are we doing here today? Yeah. So we begrudgingly watched the first 15 minutes and the last 15 minutes of Midsummer. We are going to recap it on our 15 minutes. And then Chris has some questions for us to try and flesh out what happened in the middle. One thing I will say is like, usually I'll watch these movies like three, four times to prep for an episode like this. My first watch through of this was like two weeks ago, prepping for recording. Like, yeah, it's going to be a great episode. I could not bring myself to watch this again until like three <laughs> hours ago. Like I finished my prepping three hours ago. <laughs> can, can, I, can I tell you something about that real quick? is the first time I saw this in the theater, there was a lady and I, there was a guy with her. And within five minutes of this movie, she stood up angrily, grabbed the guy by the sleeve and stormed out of the theater. <laughs> like, the, you yeah. know, I'm sure you'll get into what happens. But yeah, people were mad. It reminded me of when, when I was like a teenager, I guess. And I was at the theater and saw the Tom Green classic Freddy Got Fingered uh. in the theater, which is, I love that. It's movie. my favorite movie of all time, Chris. You've stumbled yes. upon my favorite movie of all time. Yes, it's what amazing. The fucking chances of that. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing movie. I was oh. laughing hysterically so loud in the theater at that movie, and there were people so angrily leaving the movie theater. They hated it so bad. But okay, I digress. Chris, before we move on, do you want to talk at all about Lost real quick, or <laughs> uh, about how mad I was at the ending of uh, Lost? I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. Like you said, it's polarizing, but that's why I like it. And so is this movie. So is Mids. Hey, we're call I call it Midsummer as well. I think maybe the correct pronunciation of the title of this movie is Midsummer, but I call it Midsummer as well. Just just a note. No, I I looked into it. You're right. There's a question. Like people call it both. Is basically that's what the final answer is. Is you can call it either one. Right. It's like Bon Iver and Bon Iver. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly like that. Yeah. Excellent. So real quick, Midsommar came out in 2019, written and directed, as Chris said, by Ari Oster. It stars Florence Pugh as Danny and Jack Raynor as Christian. It has an 83 from critics on Rotten Tomatoes, but apparently audiences overall were more divided, like Chris said, because it does not have as high of an audience score. It is a horror, but as we've talked about, it feels different. And I think... I agree with Chris that that's why I like it. But this intro is already extremely bloated with me fawning over Chris. So let's get into it. Dave, 
recap the first 15, please. I'm sure you'll have plenty more time to do that, Michael. Don't worry. (laughs) So this movie opens on a mural that looks like it should be in an ornate frame in a margarita's Mexican restaurant. But it does recap kind of the whole story that you could see in this one image. You know, family dies, girl sad, walk through forest, meet cult, and everyone's dead. Like, that's that's really the summary of the whole movie, I think. I love that they did that. It's brazen, but at the same time, it's not because, I mean, it's only up there for 15 seconds, and you don't know what's about to come. But the fact that they literally put the plot of the movie at the beginning of the movie I've never seen I've never seen that before. And I was I'm a huge fan of that. We'll talk about it when we get to center counts later, but it added a full point to my score. And whatever the last scene is, top corner, there is a sun in that scene. And it looks like the Teletubby baby, if it were an episode of Ren and Stimpy. Mm -hmm. And I still can't believe that adults let us watch Ren and Stimpy. That shit was wild. But I just (laughs) I love the art in that mural and the fact that it's there. It's just Love it. Absolutely love it. I was wondering if you guys were going to pick up on the fact that the plot of the movie is presented to you <laughs> right the first thing you see. And I wondered if that was going to help in the quiz part of this, if that was going to help you guys or not. I think that there's a lot more kind of Easter eggs in there about the plot than you would think in just like the five things. So I actually use that quite a bit to try and inform some of my decisions for the questions. Smart. Gotcha. Smart. We'll see. You know what else I love, though, Dave? During the mural, there's this harp music at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it it means one of two things when you start a movie with a harp. It's either going to be something innocent and like saccharine and for children or so viciously horrifying that it's a play on that. And this is obviously the latter. Yep, absolutely. And then you definitely know that shit's going to get real when the movie cuts to a bunch of shots of a snowy forest with a woman singing all the sounds that vowels make. (laughs) (laughs) That shit's going to get real. After all that, we cut to a suburban city where a phone is ringing next to a bed. Some old people are what looks like sleeping in the bed. Man, the call goes to the machine, which I'm pretty sure this movie came out in 2019. So what the hell are they still doing with an answering machine? (laughs) My favorite part of well-done horror movies is when everyday things make you poop your pants. Like in the sixth sense, when the balloon pops, some people will get that reference. But the abrupt phone ring stabbed me in the aorta. I think I need a heart transplant. For sure. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Yeah, because the phone ring is what took you from the shot of the trees, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it is their their daughter, Danny, calling. We, we can hear her leaving a message on the machine. She's calling to see if everything is OK. She got a scary email from her sister, Terry. So more on that soon. But we do cut at the end of her phone call here to her finishing up the call in her apartment and rereading the email that she got from Terry. The final email that her sister, Terry, sent reads, I can't anymore. Everything's black. Mom and dad are coming to goodbye. Ominous. Yeah, we didn't mention it at the top. I meant to. If you're still listening, a bit of a trigger warning because <laughs> if you're still listening. Nice. There's there's some dark stuff in this episode. So just just be forewarned. Right. I think a cool thing about Ari Aster's horror movies, this and Hereditary, are that part of the horror of it is, you know, a lot of horror movies aren't scary to me because this couldn't happen. They aren't you realistic. Know? Yes. Yep. But this This taps into like real horror, Mm -hmm. you know, like real things that happen every day. And I hope they don't happen to any of us, (laughs) but at any point they could. 
you know, and that that is a different type of terrifying Mm -hmm. for sure. Absolutely. So Danny's freaking out. She calls her boyfriend, Christian, who is a total tool. I hate him already, and he was on the phone with her for like three seconds. What kind of guy doesn't want to go over his extraordinarily beautiful girlfriend's place at night? What's wrong with this guy? He's like, maybe I'll come over. I didn't realize we were we had plans tonight. Get out of here. Yeah. We we established Christian as a true asshole like pretty early on. <laughs> yeah. Like he is the most unlikable character. And she is wonderful. She yes. is I, I just the whole time. You feel for her, Danny. She's awesome. He basically tells her, you let your bipolar sister get you all riled up with her shit. Her cries for attention. Like, she's just like this because you give her the attention that she's craving. Which, like, his interaction with her in general was obnoxious. But this especially, like, drove me freaking bananas. That's a, it's a real thing. And he's just, like, downplaying it as, like, just her sister's attitude rather than, like, a real medical thing that she's dealing with and that made me very angry yeah it's non-stop talking down to danny mm-hmm. it, it always is through throughout the whole thing but uh you know i'm thinking back to like the first time i watched this whether i realized what an asshole he was right off the, the bat but uh yeah i mean i guess they do establish that early. <laughs> yeah and then so so danny calls her friend after that and she's kind of freaking out she's basically like He's going to break up with me. I can hear it in his voice. I keep on leaning on him and like getting him messed around in in my family shit. And then honestly, like her friend is the best character in the whole show. But I I love this (laughs) friend. But while she's on the phone with her friend, she just take an Ativan. For those of you who don't know, Ativan is used to treat anxiety, insomnia, and difficulty sleeping. Do not take Ativan if you are narrow angle glaucoma, severe respiratory insufficiency, or pregnant, or plan to become pregnant, or are allergic to Ativan. Misuses of Ativan can cause addiction, overdose, or death. Call your doctor if you experience hives, difficulty breathing, or death while taking Ativan. How are you supposed to call your doctor if you're experiencing death? (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad you caught that. Good job. (laughs) So her friend on the phone is basically like, if you're leaning on him and you feel like he's going to break up with you because you're leaning on him, then like, fuck him. Good. Get rid of him. He's not for you. Like, you have to be able to rely on your significant other. And if you can't, then they're useless to you. So this friend is just the best. But the call kind of gets cut uh, abruptly because she starts to get a call from an unknown number and then it cuts away. Uh Uh-oh. Yep. We do cut to her boyfriend eating with his friends. This makes it feel like it's directly after, but I actually think it was some time after. Some of the cuts in this this movie do make it feel like everything is right in a row, but then there's other kind of pieces of information that if you're paying attention, there was some time in between. I think that this one is has a difference based on when she's getting notified about her parents when that unknown call came through and stuff. But he's eating out with his friends who are all also tools and basically telling him just to end the relationship with her. He has been talking about it for a while and she doesn't put out. So get rid of her. Yeah, the one that mentions her not putting out. It's the kid who's saying TLC's Waterfalls from We're the Millers. You guys mm-hmm. see that movie? Yeah. He always plays this like obnoxious kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely that in this movie. (laughs) He's right in his wheelhouse in this movie. (laughs) So he gets a call from Danny while he is sitting there at dinner. And when he answers the phone, she's just scream crying. And we find out that her whole family is dead. 
The way we find out they died, this is one of those trigger warnings. This was rough. We cut to a fireman shutting off the engine to the cars in the garage. And out of the exhaust pipes of each of the cars is a hose. One hose is leading to the parents' bedroom taped along the bottom there so that they die due to CO2 inhalation or whatever cars out exhaust inhalation, I guess. And then the other hose going down the hall and into straight into her sister's mouth taped in there. And they are all dead. This is the moment that the people stormed out of the movie theater. I would have had a hard time getting beyond this point, I think. Yeah. And even more so than that very disturbing I mean, you you know, when you see the hose hooked up to her sister's mouth with Mm. like duct taped and puking all over herself, that's hard. But I think what's even more intense, which I'm sure you're about to get to, is seeing Danny screaming, crying after that. That is like horror. Like that's true horror right there. You know, that's not just like a cry in a corner type of situation. That's like, a I can't believe this just happened and losing your mind type of crying. I want to tread lightly, but artistically, I loved the choice to start with the source, the car's exhaust, and then follow up the two hoses to the destruction. I mean, good God, like the what we see, but I, I, I liked it artistically from that aspect. The cinematography, and I keep bringing up Hereditary because that's Ari Aster's other horror movie, but they're, they're almost like companion pieces. And I know you guys haven't seen that, but what is always very noteworthy about that, and I see this in reviews and stuff, is the cinematography makes you feel so strange and people will note that. People will make reference to that. And that's a perfect example. It's like beautiful yet horrifying cinematography. And on top of that, in both of these movies, in this movie, Florence Pugh is Danny with that reaction to her finding out the news. And then in Hereditary, it's Tony Collette. He just captures these like intense emotional scenes that I don't even know. It's it's great actors, but he gets these like gut wrenching scenes of them and uh i don't know it just adds to that like i keep referencing that actual horror definitely and i know we thought her parents were tired but turns out they were really exhausted (laughs) oh man gross you're you're the worst Uh. one thing i didn't like i i thought was heavy-handed was showing the computer above danny's sister like solidifying that this was her sister because we see the missed messages it's like we all know that this it's is like we got it yeah I, I didn't i didn't like that i thought that was heavy-handed i also think that it's crazy because she would have had to turn off her like sleep mode on her laptop in order for it to still be displaying like that i instantly thought like where's that cool screensaver like that screensaver would be up colors flying around the screen i didn't notice that but i, I respect that you guys noticed that and i'm re-watching sopranos mm-hmm. which i think is the greatest show ever but does it bother you two when you're watching a show or a movie and someone gets a phone number writes it down or recites it and uses 555 yes 100 <laughs> percent. that drives me absolutely crazy because if you have to use 555 because you're not allowed to use an actual phone number just find a workaround that you don't have to use 555 because that just instantly makes it fake it, yeah it just takes me. you it takes you out of it because you it's such a fake number exactly yeah, i was yeah. gonna say are there are there rules around it i don't know i feel like i've watched things where they say phone numbers and i don't know if there's a rule about it 
So say it's a, a phone number that's written down. If there's a rule about it, have someone hand someone the paper, but you don't see the number. Why do we need to know the number? Like their thumb is over like the, the yeah. first portion of it or something <laughs> like that. Just to like, sure. Yeah. Anyway, it sounds like what you guys are referencing <laughs> with this computer screen being on. Thing has been just on her email for like however long it took her body to partially decompose, which right. is a while. <laughs> I see why that would bother you. Now, now when I watch this, when I watch this movie for the eighth time, it's going to bother me, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've ruined all of Midsummer because of the, the laptop being open in the room. <laughs> so at this point, Danny's boyfriend is heading to the apartment to console her. She is just crying uncontrollably, as Chris said, this is a hard scene to watch. You can really hear the, the sheer terror and and sadness in her crying. Florence Pugh is a great actor. We do finally at this point get the title card. Been a while, but we get the title card and the intro credits in the snow out of the apartment window. So now it's sometime later. This is another point where when I first watched this the first time, I was like, oh, this is like a few days later. But then I realized a a few different things. First and foremost is that they do talk about going to Sweden in a few minutes. And they say that it's in a few weeks where they say that they're going in June. So maybe mid-May. There's no way that that snow would have been happening in mid-May. So that would have been months prior. Also, the fact that it was snowing and there was snow on everything. And then all of a sudden it's a bright shining. There's no snow anywhere kind of day. So I think like a few months has passed at this point. She's still having a hard time. Looks like she wakes up, but she basically says she didn't wake up because she never sleeps. Hey, David, did you notice the painting above her of the bear? I did not. Ominous. Ominous. So, yeah, as she's waking up, her boyfriend's basically like, hey, I'm going to head to a party because I'm an asshole. (laughs) And she's like, well, I guess I'll come. This part really confused me. Is the party during the day? Because it's daytime. Like we see the outside and it's like middle of the afternoon. And then they're just going to a party, right? But then at the party, it's dark. Yeah. I I noticed that too. So it was like either they stayed a lot longer than he said they were going to, or they're at a party at a vampire's house, (laughs) or like he said, he's going to go to the party, but that really meant like, I'm going to start getting ready. And because he's a dick, it probably took him three hours. And then they went to the party. I don't think he wanted her to join him at the party. Agreed. That's definitely, (laughs) I, I think it's, it's kind of established here that, you know, now she's gone through something traumatic. So he was maybe going to break up with her, but then that happened. Now he can't. Yeah. And now she's just a downer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. She in his eyes, at least. Yeah. Now, the fact that she agrees to go to this party, David, you know me, I would never be caught dead at a party without showering first. I would literally die. After high school, I went on a road trip with friends, and one night we slept in a tent in the parking lot of a hotel in Camden, New Jersey, to avoid having to pay for a hotel. So needless to say, I awoke without the option of a shower, and having to even just walk to a Dunkin' Donuts for breakfast made me want to jump off a bridge. This is like 20 years later at this point, and I can still remember how dirty I felt. I don't know how this woman does it. She definitely showered. How? (laughs) They were just going to the party. They're like, hey, I'm leaving to go to the party. They went to the no, party. No, no. It was, it, there was some time, pat, like her hair looked much better. Like she woke up with her hair in a bun in the bed. There's no way her hair would have looked that good. You don't at the just party untie the tie and the it time. drops down. I don't know how woman's hair works. I don't yeah, know. no, you really don't. <laughs> yeah, she definitely showered. So 
so all that whole anecdote okay. was absolutely pointless. <laughs> well, I mean, I I could go to a party without showering, I guess. But you know, I was trying to think about that. Now that Dave cleared it up, then that's fine. She showered, but even if she didn't, I could see why she wouldn't. She's severely depressed, so she probably is just like fuck it. Yeah, it just doesn't I'm give a get shit. Up and go. So right, if that yeah. was the case, but but we've established that she's probably showered. <laughs> I'm confident she showered. Uh, okay. okay, very uh, important, very important. Moving okay. on. So <laughs> at least that's one plot hole that is okay. filled. <laughs> so we cut to the party. Her hair looks great, but she's kind of spacing out a little bit. She's like not really paying attention. And then the, the audio even does that by kind of like muting all the conversations around her. So it's not as clear to you. But then it kind of starts to focus in a little bit when she hears that the group of guys, including her boyfriend, are going to be visiting one of their friends homes in Sweden for midsummer. This is the first time that Danny's heard about it and Christian's like, oh yeah, we were just like talking about, like we were thinking about it. But it's like a few weeks from now, so like screw you, dude. But yeah, they talk about how they're planning on going in June and then that is the end of the first 15 minutes. Well, it's not quite the end. We see them in the car after the party for like four seconds. Well, yeah. And their relationship at this moment is about as icy as the back windshield of the car that they didn't bother scraping before they started driving. This creepy Swedish Eddie Vedder looking motherfucker (laughs) pied pipered them to his death cult. That son of a bitch. Yep. I can't believe he knowingly did it. And that's where you guys had to stop. It is. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So talk about two completely different movies that we watched with the first 15 (laughs) minutes and the last 15. The first 15 is just like, here's a girl dealing with depression. (laughs) The second 15, wowzers. Wow. Yeah. So. The last 15 minutes begins at two hours, seven minutes and 22 seconds if you're playing along. And we start in an open field in what, if I were to guess, is Sweden. And Danny's boyfriend, Christian, is running around frantically naked as the day he was born. (laughs) And we see yet another man butt, the last in a long line of boy rumps we've seen since we started this podcast. It is uncanny how we've seen like double the male nudity to female nudity. I know. It's unfortunate. I I think in movies like this, they put all the female nudity in the middle (laughs) and they put all the male nudity on the ends. It's wild. So in your final 15 minutes, you didn't see his penis? No. Oh, you do. You do see Man, it. Man, we missed his penis. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. Well, there's another one. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of nudity in this movie. Here's something that I was confused about is that if you were what looks like running away from someone who was trying to murder you or whatever, would you bother spending a hand to cover your dick? No. He wastes a no. perfectly good hand cupping his dick and balls. It makes no sense. <laughs> Definitely can't run as fast when you're doing something like that without the momentum of your arm swinging. No, and you need both hands to fend off the Swedes with some karate. It's just foolish. Yeah. It's Who foolish. Who gives a shit about your dick swinging around? Like, what do you think? There's going to be a crow that's going to fly down and mistake your jiggly pee-pee for a worm? No. Might mistake your jiggly pee-pee for a worm. Maybe, but I, it was a foolish <laughs> mistake on his part. So he sees a brown-skinned leg, foot side up sticking out of the soil in a garden with what looks like a v carved into the sole of the foot and i'm guessing that belonged to the one black friend from the beginning of the movie cheaty yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah cheaty from the good place yeah (laughs) the only actor in this movie at the time now i know who florence Pugh is at the time i didn't yeah uh this that was the one actor that I was like, oh. So he finds a wooden shed and closes himself in. Has this guy never seen a horror movie before? You never <laughs> narrow down your exit options. Very dumb. Yep. 
Very dumb. I think he's like half kind of high on something. He, it feels as though there is something that is disrupting his ability to logically think. <laughs> Maybe. Our budget Chris Pratt quickly realizes this was a poor choice. <laughs> Turns out that he's in a chicken coop of sorts, complete with a cockadoodle. Oh, my God. There is a naked, presumably dead man strung up with ropes of flowers. And fittingly, we see his uncircumcised pecker. His back is flayed. And I think it's his lungs that we see pulled out and back to almost look like wings. Agreed. They're coming in and out like he's still breathing, like this man is still alive. Yeah, but they're to look like wings, I assume, because he's in a chicken coop. And this is the worst Red Bull ad I've ever seen. (laughs) It's really (laughs) gross. (laughs) Cultists, they give you wings. (laughs) Now, for whatever reason, Wish.com version of Chris Pratt goes to get a closer look and... We see that the man has yellow flowers stitched to his eyes. Somehow, I don't think this is what the Counting Crows guy meant in High Life when he's saying, all my friends got flowers in their eyes. Good song, though. Yeah. Anyway, he turns around and a dude with a wreath around his dome promptly blows sand into his face. Just a big cloud of dust as if the giant sphinx of Giza blew his load. This movie is outlandish. How close this dude got to that what we are presuming is a dead or close to dead body is crazy to me. (laughs) He got right up underneath him. I I don't understand why. Like, I don't, I don't understand why he did that. Mm, If you watch the movie, I will say it might make a little bit more sense. Okay. Okay. All right. You guys are, I know you didn't see what happened before. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's helpful because it makes no sense that he would just gut that close to the dandelion Mm -hmm. eyes. It makes Mm -hmm. no sense. But Christian coughs and falls down, and we now see through him as he catches a glimpse of some other white-robed dudes, and the person who blew sand in his face carefully closes our eyelids and fade to black. I liked that scene. It was pretty cool. It was definitely unsettling to have your eyes closed. (laughs) But buckle up, there is still plenty more. Now, 10 to 15 seconds later of darkness, we open our eyes. And a cult maiden tells Christian that he won't be able to speak or move. And I'm assuming that's because of the magic sand. Mm -hmm. Speaking of magic sand, once when I was a kid, I accidentally drank a bunch of sand through a straw. And it it hurt like hell for an hour or so. But I did get a purple popsicle out of the deal. And I pooped a sandcastle. Nope, 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 nope. There's no way you did that by accident. How did you accidentally suck sand up a straw? Well, I put the straw in the sand and sucked. I didn't think it would actually suck the sand. Not an accident. (laughs) Then it wasn't an accident. You did it on purpose. You freaking crazy person. Well, I purposely sucked, but I didn't think that it would lead to sand on my throat. Well, then you weren't very smart as a child, (laughs) were you? But anyway, we see that there's a whole crowd of these weirdos. They're all wearing white, but there is some autonomy because some of them have different accessories or designs like there's one girl in front she has a giant 3d hot tamale coming out of her crotch i'm not even kidding like check it out if you didn't notice that Uh, it makes no sense yep didn't notice the 3d hot tamale i don't know what you're talking about and (laughs) there's a big circular sun stage which christian sits in front of in a medieval looking wheelchair the important part though is that danny is in the middle of the stage covered in a beautiful array of flowers complete with a floral headdress now i don't know what or why but it is definitely lovely to behold it's the prettiest horror movie scene ever in existence (laughs) yeah yeah it's awesome it really is i don't know why there's not a funko pop of her in that flower suit (laughs) that was the thing that was 
you know, if you go on Etsy or something, you could find a lot of things of Danny in her flower crown. And that's kind of like the iconic image of this movie. It's really weird to think how you guys are watching this, not knowing how she got there. Yeah, we don't we don't understand. <laughs> no idea. We don't understand, but it looks nice. No. Nope. Yeah. yeah, it yeah. looks pretty. <laughs> yeah. Did she choose this? I don't know. While she looks nice, she looks grumpy. She does not look happy. And also she looks a little high. To be fair, though, I don't remember if we ever saw her smile in the first 15 either. Mm. We just know her as a grumpy person. We did. Very. Because I accidentally paused on it. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, even when I did, I was like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> but there was a smile. I don't know what the context was. I think she was fake smiling when she was talking to Christian on the phone. Oh, yeah. It's like, I'm so lucky to have you. You're the best, worst boyfriend I've ever had. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool that you noted that about her not smiling. Now, the only other woman on stage mentions Harga, which I assume is this cult's god? Question mark. And she says that nine human sacrifices will be given. Now, she explains it that there are going to be four outsiders, four of their own, and then one that Danny, who is now the queen, gets to pick. Now, the four outsiders have already been sacrificed, which I'd have to guess includes the black friend and the We're the Millers kid with the wild eyebrows. Mm-hmm. So that, those are definitely two of the outsiders. And then the two of their own, as far as I can tell, are just scarecrows and not actually people. No, those are people. They're people made into scarecrows. Well, the other two from the cult have volunteered, Ingmar and Ulf. <laughs> which are also the name of shelves you can buy at Ikea. And we also confirmed that the Eddie Vedder friend guy did bring everyone here on purpose. Absolute bastard. I want to give you props for getting 40 minutes into this recording before you made an Ikea joke. Thank you. (laughs) It took a lot of self-restraint. Yeah, good job. I'll make more. I know. (laughs) But also, this friend's name is Pele, so joke's on him. Now, Danny gets to pick between Christian and Turbion, who was chosen by a goddamn powerball lottery i'm not even kidding <laughs> yep bingo it's terrible <laughs> he's semi-happy about it he's okay with it the music starts to build danny looks even grumpier as her bottom lip twitches but we don't get to see her choice instead we cut to a dead body in a burlap sack with scraggly hair being wheelbarrowed to a giant yellow triangle building <laughs> what the heck <laughs> i did note that yellow has been very prominent it really popped in the beginning too with the parents bedroom and the fireman etc the yellow seems to be important in this movie yeah i don't think that's by accident okay you know i think that all those things from the way things are lit to the the colors i think ari aster's the real deal and is thinking out everything i would be interested to hear like even the critiques like the laptop and stuff you never know maybe maybe we just have to suspend our laptop a screensaver disbelief or the dude <laughs> seems to think these movies out so much that maybe there's even an explanation i don't know so we see another dead body being pushed to one of the scarecrow guys but it looks like it could be a real human with a jester's cap and he vaguely looks like the we're the millers kid mark so yep. i think it's mark so they start arranging the dead bodies on bales of hay around the inside of the triangle building one of them has twigs for arms and a head of fruit Another has a tree branch coming out of his mouth and an open belly full of fruit. This is traumatizing, Chris. What is wrong with you? (laughs) Yeah, it's yeah, 
it's a horror movie that actually is disturbing. Once again, I watch so many horrible horror movies. <laughs> Little side. Did you guys ever see Teeth? No, but I know what it's about. That's about the vagina that bites people, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a horror. It's a it's a terrible movie. You don't need to see it. But I'm just saying, like, there's so many, like, bad horror movies in the world that would never scare anybody. But this one, eh, it's pretty creepy so i watched this the first time and i was and i thought to myself this is the most insane last 15 minutes of all the movies we've ever covered so i forced Mm -hmm. my wife to watch it with me during lunch one day and she was so mad that i made her watch it during lunch (laughs) (laughs) i mean those images stick with you yeah you know it's one it's one of those things man you know you won't forget it anytime soon i've called my sister multiple times this week (laughs) just to make sure she's okay (laughs) Now, we head to another shed, one that you would expect to see a middle-aged white man tinkering around in to get away from his menopausal wife. You know the type. And Christian is sitting in the corner, and a Swedish dude in an apron is gutting a grizzly bear of its intestines while some future cult fodder children watch. Don't pierce the intestines. Very important. That's the key lesson here. Mm -hmm. A bewildered dollar store Chris Pratt is stuffed into the bear. His face coming out of the bear's stretched out mouth. He looks like Blake from Workaholics if Blake from Workaholics was an aborted fetus. <laughs> now, I know that was inappropriate. I'm sorry, but wow, that was a lot. It was rough to see his face coming out of that bear mouth. It was rough to see his face in the bear mouth. But when they pan out and just like the way that the bear is sitting on the hay in the <laughs> in the thing made me like literally laugh out loud. It just like looks so cute. But at the same time, it's like there's a dude in there and you can see his face. But like the little legs and the hands are just perched up. It's just they would have made a statue of this bear and put it on a park bench for you to sit next to and be like, oh, I'm sitting next to a cute bear, except there's a man's face in it. And he is horrified because he can't move or talk. <laughs> that to me is terrifying too. being paralyzed. Ugh. Just the thought of that, you know, there's so many terrifying things going on here, but that being paralyzed and being wheeled around by these people getting stuffed into a bear, all these things you're putting yourself into. And honestly, like. I think one more thing that's really, this seems outlandish, but at the same time, there's nothing supernatural happening here. It's all, yeah, there's crazy cults out there, Mm -hmm. you know, And, and that part of it is terrifying. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this could really happen still. I've quit all my cults since watching yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame you. So he's placed in the middle of the triangle building, which solidifies that Danny picked him, which we've now we now learned that she picked him. And that is wow. Thank God. Wow. A dude with spaghetti over his face. That's the best way I can describe it. He <laughs> he reads some bullshit and then another cult dude gives the other two living volunteers some paste from the yew tree, which I looked up and is poison. And some more linguine-faced guys come in and start lighting the hay bales on fire as all the other cult people look on from afar and chant. The music starts to build. Christian the bear is now fully engulfed in flames. (laughs) And as the fire hits one of the volunteers, he screams out in pain. And this leads to all of the culters watching to start screaming, convulsing, stumbling around, which is exactly what I look like when I leave Dunkin' Donuts and realize they got my order wrong. They are freaking out. And then we see Danny hunched over in her floral walrus suit, coughing and wailing. And I think that we are to understand that all of the white robe people are connected with the souls burning alive. And Danny is now connected with Christian too late, obviously. 
and they all truly feel each other's pain. Interesting. That's how I took it. She's coughing as if she's in there with all the smoke and the fire, and they're all convulsing as if they're being burnt alive. I took it as she is finally coming out of the drug stupor that she is in and freaking out, but at the same time getting her head straight. And I assumed that all of them convulsing and everything, this is a ritual to expunge all of them of evil and darkness and that is the motion that all of them are making is just like the evil leaving their body maybe it's a little both maybe so the triangle is fully engulfed at this point danny is starting to laugh the music builds even further and everyone is just out of their mind at this point one guy looks like marv from home alone 2 when he gets electrocuted (laughs) some of them are doing the crab core stance from the 2009 gif there's people burning it's like a rave gone wrong and finally, Danny, in full flower regalia, is superimposed over the flaming pyramid, and her face turns into a beaming smile with the tumult behind her as it cuts to black. Her pain is now over. A new cycle has begun. I got chills. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought was amazing, Ari Aster wrote this movie after, I don't know if it was a divorce or separation, but this was his way of dealing with the end of his relationship so Mm. me you know and and maybe maybe i would write a song this guy's a a film director and he poured his own emotions into this story and this this movie to deal with what he was happening in his own personal life and that's why that danny smile at the end that like hits me so hard when i watch this i'm like oh my god this is this is amazing this is incredible so you know i thought that was uh pretty cool no i agreed even not knowing what happens in the middle we know a little bit about the fact that christian is a douchebag and all of the pain that she endured with her sister and her her parents the fact that she was able to smile at the end there yeah it it, it was it was chilling mm-hmm. in a good way mm. right Right. Those were the two ends, and they were insane. Before we get into the questions that Chris has prepared for us, though, I think it's time for a center commercial. Today's episode is brought to you by Podgo. Podgo is not a cult. It's the easiest way for podcasters like us to monetize our podcast. Running an ad is a flat rate, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Be like us. We love Podgo. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add the center cut in the how did you hear about Podgo section of the application. Podgo will not burn you alive in a bear suit. I promise. Man, Chris. We know those ends were wild. You have some questions for us. You're going to quiz us here. I'm going to get more than Dave, which is the norm. Let's let's do this. Is it actually the norm? I think so. Uh, I think I've beat you more than I've lost. I think one of our listeners needs to go back and figure it out. You guys haven't been keeping a record? No, there's wow. no record. That's a mistake. I think that if there was a record, it would not be in Michael's favor. So there mm. hasn't been a record because oh, of that. Man. I disagree wholeheartedly, but I'm, I'm ready to win again. Chris... Let's dive into these questions about the middle. Okay, here we go. So my first question is, once the group arrives in Halsingland, Sweden, what do they drink? Ah, so I'm I'm assuming they probably drink punch, which is an Iraq-based liqueur that they enjoy in Sweden, or potentially maybe some glog, which is a mulled wine with a splash of vodka. 
Okay. I think that they drink lingonberry juice. Now, everything I know about Sweden is because I love the cafeteria in Ikea, unironically. And lingonberries, those things are better versions of cranberries. Real talk. I have no idea why us stupid Americans took to cranberries when the milder, sweeter, less tart berry cousin exists. It makes better juice. It makes better sauce. And I bet they could still perform a mean version of Linger and Zombie, R.I.P. Dolores. Lingonberries, much better than cranberries. Lock it in. All right. Well, I think you guys thought a little too hard about it. What would you drink when you're about to go on a wild ride with a cult? Tequila. No, they drank some mushroom tea. Ah. Oh. Interesting. Zero to zero. Yeah, we yep. establish the sort of hallucinogenic. Effect. Okay. Are you sure it wasn't punch? <laughs> <laughs> Which the hallucinogenic aspect of it can lead the viewer to then question some of the things that are going on. Ah. Like, is this going on? Is it not? I think it's a, you know, I could see someone argue like, oh, that's a cheap way. No, I like that. Or it could be like, oh, this is the transition. You know, uh-huh. and it does serve as that transition. I like that. So maybe he wasn't covering his penis. Maybe that was just our mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no score, no score. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. As the group walks into the village for the first time, which side note, amazing scene. You guys are going to love that when you actually watch the movie. As the group walks into the village for the first time, what is Mark? as you guys like to call the guy from We're the Millers. <laughs> what is Mark doing that seems very out of place? This was the hardest question to answer because I don't think that Mark knew about what was going on or what was going to happen. I say that because he's dead at the end as one of the outsiders. So like, what the heck could he be doing that's out of place? He seemed kind of douchey from the few sentences we heard from him in the beginning. Definitely douchey. Maybe he's trying to put out the vibe, like trying to get some Swedish maids to notice him. And he just does that suck it move. The one where like wrestlers used to do where you turn your arms into an X and you just pound your crotch. The generation X. Yeah, yeah. that would certainly be out of place. Like suck it. Yeah. So I think he's doing the suck it move. <laughs> okay. Interesting. I think he is high or drunk and just kind of like, and he's also kind of labeled as the jester in the mural and at the end, more ironically, but I, I think he's just like dancing as they're, as they're entering the village. He's doing just some weird, funky, like maybe some safety dance dancing. Like Jamiroquai? Something. He's just doing the, the backward Jamiroquai <laughs> dance? Yeah. Dancing is my answer. Okay. Well, interestingly, if he would have been doing that, Dave, he would have maybe fit in. Oh. And Michael was on the right path by saying that he's douchey, although neither of you got it right. It's very apparent, and I think it's very intentional. He is vaping. He's hitting his vape pen. Oh, man. That is douchier than both of the same things we said. douche. <laughs> <laughs> that makes so much sense. Damn it, I'm, I'm mad I didn't think that. That does make a lot of sense. Ugh. That was kind of a minor detail, but when you watch it, like it like sticks out like a sore thumb. Yep. You know, it's... Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Still no score. Okay, number three. What does Christian forget, which he blames on losing track of time and the lack of nighttime? So he's trying to remember to have Danny take her out of van, and he loses track of time and doesn't remind her to take her out of van. Ooh, I didn't think of that. Hmm. I was feeling relatively confident, but now I'm feeling less confident now that you said that, Dave. I think he forgets Danny's birthday. And I totally get it. Like, I have an all-star level memory. Like, it's disgusting how good my memory is. But I can't, for the life of me, remember birthdays. And I think that she's so mad about it 
that she smiles when he burns alive. No, <laughs> I, I think if it's not her birthday, I think it's her. I think it's their anniversary. But I'm gonna go with her birthday. We got a score. Danny's birthday. He forgot. Yeah. No way. Oh yeah, yeah. You cheated. No, I did not. I thought it was obvious before you said the Advent thing. I thought it was either their birthday or anniversary. Like I thought that was an obvious answer. Oh. I oh. could see how you would think that'd be obvious because he ha- he has established himself as an yeah. asshole, and that's like the stereotypical thing that an asshole does is forget your birthday. Impressive. Yeah. Good oh job. yeah. Good job. Oh. Number four. <laughs> this is so hard. Gotta get this one wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, if you guys even get close to it, I feel like you should get credit. <laughs> On the day they arrive, the entire group witnesses an Addis Tupa. What is an Addis Tupa? I think it's some kind of fancy meal slash party. Now, I'm basing this off of the fact that they they clearly have some weird fetish with fruit because we see these two scarecrows at the end, one with fruit on its head, the other one with fruit stuffed in its belly. So I'm guessing that they have like a giant fruit jamboree type deal where everyone's eating the fruit. Maybe they have a big fruit fight. They're just tossing mangoes, shoving bananas up a each other's asses. Fight. Just fruit everywhere. It's a fruit party. Okay. That feels really wrong to me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going way out on a limb here. I think this village only births one child a year. And I think that the Atastupa is the annual mating of two members of the village. So they basically are watching two people have sex. Hmm. Interesting. That's a very interesting answer. And I don't think that's too far out of left field. And as far as... The eating part, yeah, maybe at the beginning there's a little bit of eating involved. But I was going to say, if you guys got even close to this, I think you should get a point. But neither of you got it. (laughs) (laughs) But we didn't. If you thought that beginning scene was disturbing, (laughs) this is one of the most iconic scenes of this movie. It's terrifying and it's horrible. But it's a ritual form of senicide in which elderly people kill themselves by throwing themselves off a mountain. It is a normal thing for every member of their community to do once they reach the age of 72. Wow. Yeah. Instead of taking their RMD, they kill themselves. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, that one really got me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That yeah, would not would not have guessed that. <laughs> Never yeah, in my wow. years. Wowzers. Yeah. Okay. Well, it related to that. Question number five. We're still at one oh, right? Yeah, one nothing me. Yeah. Okay. The male elder who jumps off the cliff only shatters his leg. What causes his death, however? So I think per the mural, this also has something to do with a bear. I think he gets mauled by a bear at the bottom of the the mountain that he jumps off of. Yeah, David, 1000%. It was that bear that they later stuffed Christian into. And I think that when the pasta priest guy gives the whole spiel about how he's wicked and I think he's talking about the bear, not Christian. It's like a reverse The Revenant, and the elder just gets wrecked by the bear. And this ritual is part of the cycle by now destroying the bear that destroyed one of them. Wow. That's a very interesting... That's actually a... Would have been a really good thing for them to do in the movie, but but the actual answer is way less... It's not a bear? Th- ...thought out than that. The, the actual answer is fellow villagers smash his skull with a sledgehammer <laughs> wow oh my god i was confident with this i was confident with it being the bear that makes wow. sense to me because the whole idea of this atastupa is to 
kill them off. So if he didn't die when he hit the ground, they had to do something. But that just means that they found another random bear carcass that wow, I am I am so surprised that that's not the answer. (laughs) They went and hunted the bear specifically for this event. (laughs) Wow. All right. Well, it's still one nothing, I guess. Just bash your skull in with a sledgehammer. It might end up ending one nothing, David. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're at number six. Josh learns the village's ritualistic practices are based on paintings by a deformed boy in the village named Reuben. What caused Reuben's deformities? Now, I forgot to mention this during my recap. We do catch a glimpse of him at the end. (laughs) It just dawned on me that we saw Reuben. Yeah, he is a mix between Eric Stoltz in Mask and that little bastard turtle guy in the cloud who throws shells at you in Super Mario Mm -hmm. because you see him on like a big cloud. I looked up what Rocky Dennis had. That's the kid from the movie Mask with Cher. Right. And the real person based on the movie Mask, he had a disease called craniodiaphyseal dysplasia or lionitis. So that, lionitis. Lock it in. Okay. I think that his deformities are caused by years of inbreeding because they only mate with each other in this village. And that is like there it's one giant family. Mm. And their DNA is getting all fucked up. I like that. Wow, we got a tie. Damn it. Wow. <laughs> nice it's, work, David. But what's really fucked up <laughs> is that it is, it's incest that causes the deformity, but it's intentional. They intentionally Ooh. need to have like this seer. Is his deformity lionitis, though? Because he looks just like the kid from Mass. <laughs> I, I don't believe that's the case. <laughs> okay, damn it. All right, one to one. Also, when I Googled inbreeding to see if that was something that would make sense for me, what they showed was a picture of two horseflies just doing it. And I was confused. And apparently a a female horsefly will mate with her brother over other horseflies. So you learned something in the center cut. Yep. (laughs) Incest and flies. Yep. That's why they're all assholes. Hey, you guys only got five questions left. Someone has to break this tie. Oh, boy. I really hope someone gets this next question right. I (laughs) feel kind of confident on this one, actually. (laughs) Okay, number seven. What does Maja put in Christian's pie as part of a love spell? Oh, baby. So there's a cow. There's like a bull on the, the mural, and I think it's bull semen. Bull semen. Interesting. I'm, I went with Swedish meatballs. Remember what I said about Ikea? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I think I'm going to go out on a limb to say that it's not something that's supposed to go in a pie. Like, I think it's clearly something that shouldn't go in a pie. I mean, cow semen doesn't belong in a pie, but... This should never go in a pie. I will back you up okay. on that. <laughs> now, I, I hate saying this, but I bet that it's something directly related to sex because this is a love spell. Like, I think it's like a penis, a vagina, or one of the liquids, like a bull semen. Now, we don't see the bear's penis when they cut out the intestines later. Side note, I've never seen a bear penis. Are they like dogs where it's retractable? Is it covered in hair like the rest of the bear? Chris, you wouldn't know this about me. I'm sort of intrigued by animal genitalia. Not in a creepy way, but I fancy myself to be a relatively intelligent person. And I just feel like there's a very large gap in my knowledge when it comes to what's between a mammal's legs. Like, I know more about space, the bottom of the ocean, than like what a kangaroo cock looks like. Like, I don't know. It's ridiculous. My wife has been listening to you talk too much. And literally last night, we are sitting watching a documentary about trying to find the Yeti and if Yetis exist. And my wife literally turns to me and she's like, I wonder how big the Yeti's penis is. It's a good question, though. Right. Yeah. 
I mean, because it's never in any of the like, it's never in any of the art as to what people think. No, I, I think it's like. retractable, like a dog, like a dog's. Hey, one. and and bringing it back around, we were talking about Freddy got fingered. That's the place I ever saw a horse's penis. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's it's ridiculous, is all I'm saying. But I I also remember seeing an episode of Ripley's Believe It or Not from like the 80s, and they showed how in China that barefoot was a delicacy and it was just this like big flubbery thing and it, it made me want to vomit but i'm sure that a bear penis is edible is what i'm trying to say i mean any penis is edible i think true technically i think that's what maja puts in the pie i, I think it's a, a bear penis and i promise that i will talk less next time i just told <laughs> one of my idols that i'm into animal dicks this may be my rock bottom hey look you were going down the path on your answer, and I'm like, whoa, he's going to get it. He's going to get it. Then you veered off wildly <laughs> to animal penises, and you're very wrong. Damn it. But <laughs> Maja, she puts her pubic hair into, into <laughs> his pie. <laughs> wow. And he, and he notices it and takes it out of his teeth. How he knows it's a pubic hair <laughs> is, is a li- that That's one of the he questions. Identifies, I, yes. He identifies that it's a pubic hair. Yes. That, that was questionable to me. Like, how does he know? <laughs> I mean, I know he knows it's a hair. He pulls it out of his teeth. But how does he know it's a pubic hair? Wow. Yeah. That was a suspend my disbelief moment in the movie. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it's pubic hair. Wow. This movie would have been 10 times scary if you didn't realize it was a pubic hair. Right, right. Wow, Dave, we were both on the right track. Like, we both had things related to the penis. It's just, yeah, we had the wrong things. <laughs> I thought for sure one of us would get this one because we're really good at penises. Yeah, wow. All right, we're wrong. One to one still. Yeah. Damn it. Still one to one. Okay, number eight. What does Mark do that horrifies and angers the members of the community? Other than vaping? <laughs> no. They're, 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 cool with the va- they're cool with the vaping. Okay. They're cool with it. So I think because they put a jester hat on him at the end, I think that means that he did something that was quote unquote jokey. Now, what if they were working on carving up all those little bingo balls for the death lottery and he just walked in and started juggling them? And then they're like, oh, you want to be a jester, huh? Bam, you're dead. Here's your new hat, you hay-filled bitch. So he was juggling the bingo balls. Interesting. Wow. I think that they catch him masturbating. I don't have an explanation for it. Right. <laughs> I mean, just what I thought of. Both of those things seem like things that the Mark character would do. Yeah. Dave was a little bit closer. They catch him, unbeknownst to him, he had to pee and he urinated on their sacred ancestral tree. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. That's and bad. They caught him peeing on it. They are not happy about that. Still one to one. Number nine. After taking a drug given to her before the Maypole competition, what is Danny miraculously able to do? Uh, is she miraculously able to stop crying? Just kidding. <laughs> That's really dark. I shouldn't have said that. See the dead. Ah, I think she could see the dead. I think that ties to a later answer of mine. I think we kind of talked about it, but I don't. I, I think part of the appeal of this movie is there isn't anything supernatural. So I don't. I don't think it's something like truly miraculous, like flying or something. I, I think it's more along the lines of being able to lift a car up over her head, or so that's not supernatural. But seeing the dead is no. You could people lift up cars over their head all the time when they <laughs> people lift cars over their head all the time. Adrenaline when they get an adrenaline rush, like they see a dead baby under, or like they see a, a struggling <laughs> baby under a car, they lift it up. There's, there's a dead baby under there. <laughs> struggling baby. Anyway, I think connected to the next questions, my answer is she sees things that aren't really there. You guys aren't 
far off, but you didn't get an answer for what I was looking for in this question because there's something that's specific here. And Chris, if we had a nickel for every time that happened. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's tough. <laughs> oh. You guys set yourself up for a tough thing here. You guys were close, yeah, right. but wrong. Well, what I was looking for here is speak Swedish. Wow. All right. Interesting. But she's given a drug. So once again, as I mentioned earlier, once you introduce a drug into the mix, then from our perspective, she's speaking Swedish. But is she actually speaking Swedish? Is she talking gibberish and thinks she's ta- speaking Swedish? That is where it becomes less supernatural and more just what is our perception here? What is going on? You know, it's just once you add the hallucinogens in, then, you know, you guys are leading right right into this next question. Who does Danny see among the people after she is crowned the May Queen? I think she sees her dead sister, which is partly caused by the drug she took in the Maypole competition. She's like a human Ouija board and it's her dead sister. I think it's her whole family, just amongst the crowd. Her dad, her mom, and her sister. Well, you guys are both right. Dave's more right. <laughs> I mean, I'm right. I, she sees her dead sister. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. factual. That's factual. Right. So it's two to two. Ugh. Took the easy way out, you son of a <laughs> yeah, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> you guys both got it. I mean, I guess that was an easier one. But what's crazy about it is you have to really be watching. And they're kind of like blended in. Like you have to be looking for them. Interesting. You know, it's one like of those that. things upon first watch you might not see. I like that better than it being obvious. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Final question. If you put together these questions and answers plus the last 15 minutes that, that you've seen, you might be able to put this together. What does Danny witness that causes her to have a breakdown? I feel like this has to either do with Christian or something to do with her family. I couldn't think of anything that would tie to her family that she would see at this weird compound. So my guess is that Christian sleeps with another woman and it like sends her off the deep end. Okay. This is probably wrong, (laughs) but it's the only thing that I could remotely tie in with what we saw. Now, in the first 15, I mentioned it. There was the shot of the computer behind her dead sister. Maybe the camera on the computer had been on and recording the whole time. And somehow she was shown the footage from that horrible night and saw her sister perpetrate the killing of her parents and herself. And maybe her sister even had a creepy smile, which really riled her up. But that connects why she smiled at the end, as if it was like the releasing of all the pain that had been weighing her down, the pain being the Amazon Basics version of Chris Pratt, her boyfriend. Well, she hears noise. She follows the noise, even though people are telling her, don't don't do it, follows the noise, looks through a keyhole, sees Christian not only having sex with Maja, who put the love spell on him, but also he's having sex with her while all the elder females nakedly stand around and they <laughs> they mimic Maja's moaning sex noises with her, much like everyone in, in the, the village screams. It's they all experience everything together, you know, like whereas Danny was very alone in her grief in this village everyone experiences all their emotions together as a as a group so you know after danny wow. sees this all the women cry with her as she has her breakdown yeah dave you, you took the win i can't even believe that but it does give credence to my understanding of the ending that they have this connection to the people in the pyramid it does you got that thing okay. that wasn't a question correct <laughs> <laughs> right yeah uh i don't feel good about it it was three to two, though. I mean, we had 12 questions. And you only got three right. So oh, I hate when you always try and like belittle my <laughs> wing. Like, oh, I was close. The worst. 
the bummer about this is that I hope you guys will watch the whole movie now. Uh, I'll talk about it later, but yes, 100% I'm going back to watch this. I probably will as well. This is crazy to say, but it's like in my top 10 favorite movies ever. Like, it's so fun. It's such a fun movie. But now, <laughs> now it's like spoiled for you guys, kind of, but it's still worth watching. There's so many twists and turns, and there's a lot of things that we didn't talk about here. And even the things that we just talked about and you guys guessed, you still have to see them because it's crazy. You know, there. I can tell you, you could give me a hundred guesses as to what adjective you would use to describe this movie and fun would not have been in the top 100. I, I just think that like, here's the thing is I've probably seen this movie. I'm not kidding. I, I definitely five times, maybe more than that, because I love watching it with someone who hasn't, experienced it yet so yeah you know i saw it for the first time in a theater then my buddy who works in film he was home from new york you know he was a fan of hereditary and i'm like oh dude let me and you we gotta go we went and saw it so i got the, i got to experience it through his eyes then i had a bu- another buddy i showed it to i got to show it to my girlfriend you always get to like see their reaction to these horrible <laughs> things that happen in this movie and it's just it's fun it's the same thing with hereditary acts you know that's what's fun about it to me is it's not like oh Jason's going to stab someone through the heart. Oh, that was a that was a brutal kill, dude. No, this is like <laughs> disturbing stuff. Now, Chris, this has been a dream come true for me. <laughs> if someone told me 18 years ago that I'd be recording something with a guy from the band I named my live journal username after. Oh, nice. And that I'd say the words kangaroo cock. Uh, <laughs> I'd probably laugh in their face. But I said it before I say it again. Thank you for creating things that have made me happy all these years. Oh, and Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here today. Well, thanks for saying all that nice stuff, man. I'm very, very, very flattered. And thanks for allowing me to talk about Midsummer. You guys gave me an excuse to talk about Midsummer with some cool guys and, and have a laugh about it. Now, Chris, you do so much, but please take a moment and let everybody know where they should be checking you out. First and foremost, my life's work, as Michael has brought up, is a band called Punchline. If you know us, Hell yeah. Thank you for knowing us. If you don't, we're easy to find anywhere you listen to music. We all have every song ever written in our pockets at all times. Now type in punchline and Spotify or Apple music, whatever, and you'll see a bunch of albums. Our last album was from a few years ago. It was called Lion, but I'm hoping by the time that the next summer rolls around, I have a new album with punchline. I also play in a few other bands that are relatively new. One is called Pack. We released an EP called buying up all your gray same thing that thing is everywhere just search for pack buying up all your gray and also i played a band called another cheetah with some punchline alumni and another cheetah yeah same thing you can search it wherever i have an enamel pin (laughs) etsy shop at iloveenamelpins.com and otherwise yeah i'm a podcaster i do things podcasting i host one called one hit thunder which is we bring a guest on each week and dive into a one hit wonder dive deeper into that artist past that one hit wonder and decide if that artist truly brought the one hit thunder or if they were a one hit blunder and it's incredible thanks Mm -hmm. man that's great i produce a podcast for chris demakes who is a singer and guitarist of the band less than jake where we bring an artist on every week and they break down an iconic song from their back catalog. Really proud of that podcast. We've had a lot of big names, everyone from Mark Hoppus to Laura Jane Grace to, you know, Rick Nielsen of Cheap Trick to, I, I don't know, just like all over the place, Verite. We've, and it's not just punk rock. We have had a lot of punk rock artists, but we expand beyond that. The 
concept is songwriting, what goes in. Every songwriter we've had has a different story to their, not only their process, but also the inspiration for their music. We don't get real deep into like gear. We keep it on a level where even if you're not musically inclined, you can be interested in it. And I'm proud of that aspect of that podcast as well. And last but not least, my friend Matt. Matt produces the One Hit Thunder podcast for anyone who's interested in starting a podcast but might not know how or have an already existing podcast but want to try to take it to the next level. We have a company called We Know Podcasting dot com and we can help you out so hit us up if that is something that sounds interesting to you that's kind of like a summary i do some other stuff too but that that's kind of like my main seven things (laughs) that i work on you know i I try to be a jack a jag off of all trades (laughs) crushing it and you certainly are you certainly are a jag off of all trades chris no (laughs) i I recently started listening to the the krista makes a podcast uh within the past month or so and almost caught up to the full catalog because it is so interesting hearing about these songwriters and and what their process is like it's been crazy that like at least 75 to 80 percent of them the answer is like yeah this came about in like less than 30 minutes it's just it's the first thing that came to mind and it's so cool as as someone who does artistic things like writing and so forth on my end it so rings true that sometimes it's that first simple thing that comes about that ends up being better than the thing you belabor over and it's it's crazy how art works like that but it's interesting to hear these big successes these huge hit songs it is it just like it just channeled into this person and and that's what you heard the first thing that came to their mind but what i think is interesting about it too is even if you aren't a songwriter even if you have no musical ability whatsoever that these stories of like being inspired by something in your life and then channeling that artistically i mean you guys podcast mm-hmm. and podcasting is an art in itself i love that you guys have a structure and a concept that you've stuck to its niche, but it's interesting and it's fun. And I don't know how much you guys labored over the initial idea or if it was like you came up with it in two minutes and were like, dude, hell yeah, and went with it. But we're talking about Ari Aster bringing it back to this movie was like he was inspired by his own personal life situation to make this movie that then helped him deal with a real life thing in his personal life. He was able to channel whatever sadness or or however he had to get over that hump of you know, personally, I I got divorced. And when I heard that story and read that, I'm like, oh my God, that's incredible that he was able to channel that pain that he was going through, whatever sadness or anger or whatever, and make this amazing film. I thought that was super super inspiring and interesting. 100% well said. And, And like I mentioned at the top, all of the links of everything Chris had mentioned will be in the show notes and you really should check out at least one. But really, you should check out all of it because it really is, really is awesome stuff. Everything. Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for having me on today. This was this was a lot of fun. I know. Hey, look, maybe down the line, save Hereditary for me. Okay? Can do. And if you ever need guests to talk about One Hit Wonders, we are your men. Ah, mm-hmm. yes, yes. I will be in touch. Wow, David, that was a wild, 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 wild ride. Are you still hard or what? I'm still hard from Chris. Hard as a rock the whole time? Yeah, but I'm pretty flaccid from losing. Yep. Oh, I'm so glad I got to take all the joy out of that. Uh, David, the only thing left to do before we get into our outro business is to hit up center counts. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Before we get to center counts, we have a very special question from what is now my favorite fan (sighs) of our show. We have received another question from Edward Truck. (sighs) 
And Mr. Truck is asking, who is more brainwashed? The members of the cult in this movie or fans of Lost who think it's a watchable show? Uh, Mr. Truck, listen here. I love Mr. Truck. Talking about brainwashed, you're going to need your brain washed off the pavement if you keep it up because I am mad. Stop talking bad about Lost. Nope. Keep them coming. It's probably Lost, if I'm being honest. If <laughs> if Damon Lindelof said, hey, go in this triangle building and get burnt alive, I might think about it. He's made some things that I enjoy, and I, I live by Damon. So, yeah, I, you might be right, Mr. Truck. I want these questions to keep coming. I want this to be a regular thing on every episode. So I'll make you a theme song and everything, and you could be a regular <laughs> part of the show. It's Mr. Truck. Truck, Mr. Edward. Hey, here it comes. It's Mr. Truck and Lost Sucks. Here we go. Yeah, keep them coming because I love it. Perfect. Center counts. What do you got? I think I'm going to give this a five. That's where I'm at. Five out of seven. <sighs> and you know what? It's hard to watch. And it like it hit a little bit home for me. The whole, you know, depression and anxiety stuff and all, all of that. Our listeners already know that I have issues, but I think it was shot very well. Mm-hmm. I think the acting is great. Like I, I all around what we saw was was very, very good. And it is it's so far outside of the normal horror genre that it's really intriguing uh, to me. So even though I don't, I don't like that genre normally, I think that this movie did a really good job of straying outside of that, but still staying within it at the same time. So yeah, five, five for me too. I've just, I've seen a lot of fucked up shit in my day, but the last 15 minutes may indeed take the cake. It's just wild. And admits the gruesome though there was so much beauty like with the flowers the landscape the bear suit it's just it's not something i will soon forget and like you said horror is not my bag baby but i will rewatch the middle if not just to be in awe also i'm obsessed with danny she is gorgeous and that opening spoiler mural thumbs up so five out of seven the mural was very good and oh my god Christian inside the bear. So cute. (laughs) Seriously, though. So cute. Well, now, David, that was Midsommar with Chris Fafalios. What do we have coming up down the pipe area? Coming hard on September 22nd. I bet you all thought we forgot. We are coming back to Outlander season three. Here he comes, that big redheaded hunk of a boy. Can't wait. It's been a little bit. We had Outer Banks that kind of threw some gunk in the gears, but we are back to do Outlander. But before we do that, we are going to have a center chat. And this time, it's not about Midsummer. Instead, we're going to talk about what our favorite one-hit wonders are. It's all based on the fact that our guest, Chris, has his podcast, One Hit Thunder. So because we were sick and tired of talking about ways we could die, which is really all we could come up with for Midsummer, we wanted to do something fun. So we're going to talk about our favorite one-hit wonders. Yeah. Let's get it. And as always, if you have feedback, send it to the centercutcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and you can check us out on all the social media as well. Instagram's where it's at, though. Instagram at the center cut. Check out all our, our center chat posts away in. But we're on we're on Facebook and Twitter and that stuff, too. Yes, sir. And as I mentioned, again, check the show notes. There's going to be all kinds of links, but you really need to check out Chris. As you heard, he is awesome. Yeah. Also, don't forget, we're on Good Pods. Everything's on Good Pods. All the podcasts are on Good Pods. We're trying to get up on the charts there so if you're gonna listen to the following episodes and go go check it out on good pods 
please, please, please. But that is a wrap for this horror movie, David. Like the empty space between your lungs when they are pulled out of the back of your body after your rib cage is removed. It's always better in the center. <laughs>